for every one of you who are on the front line. Thank you for serving God's purpose in our community. Just know this, that we love you. We appreciate all that you are doing. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to The Crossing today. Wherever you find yourself, we are one church that just happens to be quarantined in thousands of living rooms across the valley and around the world. When Jesus shows up on the pages of history, everywhere he went, there were crowds. People came from all over to see him and to hear him teach. And it wasn't just a select group of people. It wasn't just the religious or the rich and famous. It was the religious and the not so religious. It was the rich and the poor. It was the young and old, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, healthy and sick, the politically powerful, the outcasts. But you couldn't come in contact with Jesus without being marked, without being impacted by him. Whenever someone gets a tattoo, I always ask them the story behind it because there's almost always a story, a reason behind the tattoo. Obviously, that's not always the case. We've all seen bad tattoos, tattoos that people end up regretting, names that they no longer want inked on their skin. But either way, they've been marked with something that impacted them. Whenever someone came in contact with Jesus, they were forever marked. Sometimes it told a story of how they chose to leave everything to follow Jesus, but sometimes it, it told a different story. They made a decision to reject Jesus or to unfollow him. But you couldn't come in contact with Jesus without being marked by his life. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks as we start this brand new series called Marked. This series is based on the gospel of Mark, and it's written by a guy that we know just by this name right here. It's John Mark. This is his full name. Now, Mark is not one of the 12 disciples, but he may have been an eyewitness to Jesus. Many scholars think that the upper room where Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, they think that that room was owned by John Mark's mother. And there's another sighting of John Mark in his gospel. Maybe you remember when Jesus got arrested, the soldiers grabbed the garment of a young guy who was there and he leaves it behind running away naked. That very well could have been John Mark. It's like his signature, or I could say it this way. It was like his naked signature in his book. But Mark gets his information about Jesus from Simon Peter. That Simon Peter was there. You could actually call this the gospel of Peter because Peter gives his account of the life of Jesus to Mark you will see that nothing happens in this gospel in which Peter is not present, which is why Jesus' birth is not found in this gospel because Peter wasn't there. But Peter begins his account by describing the coming of Jesus in the same way as when Jesus was born 30 years before. He describes it as good news. Here's how it all starts. It's in Mark chapter one, verse one, it says this. It says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. Here's the thing about good news. 
When we hear good news, we hope that it's true. That if I told you that there was a brand new study where they found that sugary cereal is good for you, wouldn't you want it to be true? If I told you that the quarantine has been lifted because the coronavirus has been completely eradicated, you would hope that that good news was true. When Jesus showed up on our earth, it was described as good news of great joy for all people. So my question for you is this, do you live your life like Jesus actually brought good news? Is your version of Christianity, does it seem like it's good news to the people around you? Because if your version of Christianity does not feel like good news, perhaps you're holding on to a version that does not reflect the message that Peter wanted you to know about. He goes on to say in verse 14, it says, after John was put into prison. Now, this right here is John the Baptist that he's talking about. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The arrival of Jesus was not only described as good news, but Jesus proclaimed this good news. Just so you have a picture of where Jesus is, let me show you a map of Israel that Mark begins his gospel talking about the baptism of Jesus, which would have happened at the Jordan River right here above the Dead Sea. I've been there many times. I've baptized probably hundreds of people right here at this spot. And then Jesus travels up here and then he goes around the Sea of Galilee and the town of Capernaum will become his hometown in his ministry. In the next verse, Peter wants us to know the main part of Jesus' message. This is the bottom line of what Jesus came to do, that he wants us to know what the good news is. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Do you see the theme that's going on here? You might be tempted to read over this verse too quickly and miss the significance of what Jesus is saying here. Because here's what Jesus said. He says, the time has come. And let me just, let me just pause here for a minute and to tell you what had to come together for this time to come. All of the Old Testament prophecy pointed to this time, but it was more than that. About 350 years before Jesus was born, Alexander the Great begins his rule over Greece and Persia. And within about 12 years, he has conquered the entire known world. And for the first time, he gives the world a common language. It's the language of Greek. It was said in those days that everyone spoke a little Greek. So God was making a way for the entire world to speak the same language so the good news could spread quickly. 
Then 280 years before the birth of Jesus, the Hebrew scriptures, what we know as the Old Testament, they were translated into Greek. And for the first time, the world had a universal scripture. Now those outside of the Hebrew people could read about the one true God and the good news of his promised Messiah. Then in 63 BC, 63 years before the birth of Jesus, the Romans conquer the Greeks and become the world's superpower. And under the leadership of Caesar Augustus, yes, the same Caesar Augustus in the Christmas story, they begin a period of about 200 years of world peace, which created just the right environment for Jesus to come. It was the Romans who built a highway system so that travel became common on open roads. They established a type of highway patrol to make it safer for people to travel throughout the empire. So what we have is we have a common language. We have understandable scriptures by all the people. World peace had come and now there are open roads. And all of this created the first information superhighway for the good news to spread. Then Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And maybe you grew up in, in a church that made the kingdom of God sound like something you would experience when you died and went to heaven. Well, that's not the good news that Jesus brings. Another way of saying the kingdom of God is to say God's kingship his rule. His rule had finally arrived when Jesus arrived. And Jesus says this, the kingdom of God has come near. See, wherever God is, the kingdom of God is near. Think of, think of the president, that whatever airplane he is on becomes Air Force One. The plane doesn't make the president. Just because you ride on Air Force One doesn't make you the president. The president is what makes Air Force One. So here is what Jesus is saying, that God has come near. When he says the kingdom of God has come near, he's saying that God has come near. And that if God has come near, then that means that he is never far off. That this kingdom, it is an upside down kingdom. It's a kingdom where loving God and loving others is the ultimate priority. So what's our response? Jesus tells us. He said the response is to repent and believe the good news. Now, when we see this word repent right here, we think of that guy who's on the street corner yelling at everyone to repent or they're gonna go to hell. I, I saw one of these guys just the other day. He had this great big bullhorn just telling everybody to repent. Well, this word right here, it simply means to change the direction of your life, that you are invited to be a part of this new kingdom. And Jesus says, not only do I want you to repent, to change the direction of your life, I want you to believe. Now this right here, this is a Greek word that means to entrust your life. 
to fully surrender and entrust your life to this new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, everyone is invited. Well, let's make our way back to the Sea of Galilee because Peter will be the first to enter the storyline. Remember how I said that you will see Peter in every story? Well, he wants his story to start out with Jesus calling him. It says this in, in Mark chapter one, beginning in verse 16. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I want you to understand the significance of what is happening right here. If you are a parent of a school-age kid, then this shutdown has hit you extraordinarily hard because you're not only trying to manage your job, you're on Zoom calls all the time. You're now trying to homeschool your kids as well. I've heard parents say, teachers deserve to make a million dollars a year. So for every teacher out there, I agree, we love you. When my daughter was in high school, she had this huge school project that she had put off until the night before. Well, I didn't want her to flunk it. So I stayed up most of the night helping her get her project finished. And then when she got it back, I just asked her, what grade did we get? Ironically, it is that same daughter who is now a kindergarten teacher. So that should give all of you parents out there hope whose kids wait till the very last minute. In the first century culture, you had teachers and students. They were called rabbis and pupils. And pupils chose rabbis. Rabbis didn't choose pupils. The pupil would find a rabbi that they wanted to follow, to study under. And he would approach that rabbi and he would ask, may I be your disciple? May I follow you and study under you? And the rabbi would sometimes say, yes, follow me. But that didn't happen very often. Most of the time they would say, no, you don't have what it takes to be my disciple. Go home, work in your father's business, get married, have kids, and hope that they can become a disciple of a rabbi someday. But Peter wants us to know that Jesus did what no other rabbi had ever done. These guys are working in the family business, which means that they've been passed over by every other rabbi. They weren't good enough. But Jesus goes to Peter and his buddies and he says, follow me. Later on, Jesus would remind the disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. It's unlike any other rabbi, I chose you. Now you understand what happens next. Because what happens next, it says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. Peter wants everybody to know he chose us. He thought that we had what it took. So we left our nets and we followed. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. 
And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And they followed Jesus. For all these guys, their nets defined them. That was their career, their future. Everything revolved around their nets, their fishing business. But Jesus saw something in them that they didn't even see in themselves. Jesus told them that your identity is no longer about being a fisherman. Your identity will be a fisher of men as a follower of Jesus. So they dropped their nets and they follow Jesus. Do you see why this was such good news? Because every other rabbi would say this, every other rabbi would say, change and you can follow me. Jesus said, follow me and you will change. Do you see how drastically different this is? See this right here, this could completely change your relationship with God that you don't have to have your life all put together to follow Jesus. Just start following Jesus and he will help you put your life together. Follow me, he says, and you will change. Peter and his buddies did not know where this would lead. Peter and his buddies didn't know, they didn't know that they would change the world they just took a step towards Jesus. They followed him. They just took a step and another step and another step and they followed Jesus. As a part of this series, we're gonna try to memorize a verse every single week. Now, this is the verse that we're gonna memorize this week. And so here's what I want us to do together. And I, I know you feel weird about this. I'm just like, come on. You know, you're in your living room. I'm in this auditorium by myself so we can do this together. So we're gonna memorize this in two parts. And so you can just repeat after me. So here's the first part. The kingdom of God has come near. So you say that. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's your turn. Repent and believe the good news. So let's just say this all together again. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. By the time Peter gives his account, James, his fishing buddy, has been put to death by Herod Agrippa. And Peter himself is close to being put to death by Nero. And maybe Peter was asked the question, then why is this good news? To which I think Peter would have said, are you kidding me? Jesus changed everything. It was Peter who had written to other Christians a few years earlier. And he just said this about Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Peter also tells us this, 
that he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The good news is that God has come near. He chose you to follow him. For some of you, let's just be honest. Let me just push on you just a little bit because you know a lot about Jesus, but it's been a long time since you've been close to Jesus. I just think all of that could change. So here's my question for you. Do you live your life like it is good news? Would people look at you and describe it, your life, like you are living out this good news? The good news is that God has come near. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that means you have the Holy Spirit, you have God's Spirit living in you. That means that the way that you serve, the way that you talk, the way that you love, you are bringing the good news. You have brought God near. So how do we live out this good news? How can we bring this good news to others? Let me ask it like this. How is COVID-19 going to mark you as you move forward? When we get on the other side of this, and we will one day get on the other side of this, how is this going to be used to mark you and bring good news to those around you. I just believe God wants to do something in you for you to begin to live out this good news, for it to show in your life and then to show that God is near to the people who are in your life. I wanna pray with you because I know that for some of you, This has just been a hard season. And I wanna pray for you specifically that you begin to live a life that shows this good news in you. So let's just pray right now. God, we thank you for that good news. We thank you that when Jesus came, It was good news of great joy for all people. And God, the way that we live our life, it brings your kingdom near, that God comes near because you are using us to be your hands and feet in this world. So God, I wanna pray for everybody who is struggling right now. They're lonely. Maybe this just is getting old and they just don't have any rhythm, any traction in their life. Maybe they've taken some steps backwards in some addictions or habits that they've had. God, I pray that you would bring your good news into their life, that it would transform them, it would transform us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if we can pray for you, we would love to be able to do that. If you just go to our website, thecrossinglv.com slash prayer, and you can just let us know what's going on in your life because we wanna have a moment to pray for you and our entire prayer team will be praying for you. Right now, we're gonna receive communion together.
And so I wanna give you a minute just to go ahead and to get your communion ready. That the scripture that we looked at out of 1 Peter is Peter was really just telling us about Christ. Here's what he said. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. And what we do is we take this bread that represents the body of Jesus. And Jesus said this bread, it represents his body that was broken for you and for me. And so right now, let's just take this as we remember Jesus' body crucified on the cross, broken for us. Then Jesus took the cup. He said, this represents his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So let's take this together right now. 